Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Color Grade listeners. I'm your host, KB, and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade podcast is an always unfiltered, always enlightening, and uniquely opinionated podcast about television and film that goes in-depth with guests that give a Black, POC, or queer perspective. Join me as I discuss highly anticipated movies and shows with fellow critics and friends of the podcast, interview some of your favorite artists about their recent or upcoming projects, and leave you with my recommended must-see watch list. Stay tuned. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I am your host, KB, and we have a great new episode ahead where we are going to be diving into the revival of an old classic with some new twists, Saved by the Bell. So for this episode, I have some of my favorite YouTubers and critics back on hand to help me discuss this TV show. So I will start with Kristen Maldonado, the gem behind the Pop Culture Planet podcast. Please welcome Kristen back to the color grade. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this new reboot. <laughs> yes, yes. I know. I feel kind of weird actually calling it a reboot. Like it, it, it feels like a continuation, but it is a reboot because it's different. I don't know. We'll get into it. Yes. Um, but thanks so much for joining us. And in addition to Kristen, I also have the Movie Files media mogul, Elliot, returning to the color grade. So happy to have you back, Elliot. So glad to be back talking about uh, Saved by the Bell, a very uh, a show I wasn't really looking forward to. But uh, I might be uh, surprising you all with my thoughts on this show, but I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, 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 well. Okay, so um, for those who may not know, a little quick cap about Saved by the Bell. So we are back at Bayside after 20 plus years. This is a follow-up to the 1990s iconic sitcom. Uh, But this time around, we have a group of California low-income high school students who are transferred to the wealthy Bayside High following a program that, uh, you know, was designed kind of by accident, uh, by California governor and, and former Bayside Zach Morris. So, woo, everyone is back sort of kind of in a weird way. We have kind of the old heads back to meet the new students. So I will start with you, Kristen. Just overall, how did you feel about this kind of next chapter in Bayside High? I really liked it. I was not sure what it was going to be like, um, but I liked that they were very satirical about the whole show. You know, like they really played up like, you know, the humor of we're, we're back and, you know, we're able to make fun of themselves, which I really enjoyed. Um, I really love the new characters. And I know that like, because it's like a revival or a reboot, it's like, oh, well, all the old people are coming back, you know, Mario Lopez, Elizabeth Berkeley. 
how, how exciting, right? But honestly, I preferred the new characters more than the old characters. Um, the fact that we get to see these like Latinas and Afro-Latinas that are uh, breaking waves at the school, you know, joining the football team and being the class president when they're like brand new at the school. And um, the fact that like the most popular girl in school is a trans woman. I was like, that's amazing. Like how freaking cool. And she, she gave me like Sharpay Evans vibes a little bit, um, which I was, was feeling. And I just think that it was, it was really fun to see this, this new crew of people coming in. And I personally like them, I think more than when they went back and showed us some of the older uh, characters coming back and doing storylines. I was like, all right, all right, all right. I want to see what, you know, uh, what our new crew is up to and, and just seeing how they even like the, the kids that were already at Bayside, these rich privileged kids kind of got, you know, like lessons taught to them or kind of we're given a reality check by these new students as well. And I think even our new students get to see like some of their own, their own biases that they have about themselves and the other kids at their school. And, and kind of just, I felt like everyone was learning about different things and about each other and growing, but also still keeping that like nostalgia and the, like the parody um, of, of what Saved by the Bell is and, you know, being able to make fun of themselves, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. I will say, um, this is something that I was looking forward to because I'm actually a really big fan of the original, even though it is corny and not very diverse. Like everyone knows that it's not really that diverse. It's exceptionally corny. Zach is actually a terror. And, um, you know, like and he's never held accountable for any of his actions and they treat Screech so poorly. It's like ridiculous. Um, and of course I felt always like Lisa Turtle just needed more and more and more storylines and we never got as much of her as I really wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet I'm, I'm still a fan, right? Like, um, you know, there were a lot of themes that the 90s sitcom tackled. Um, and so I was looking forward to this. So I will say, you know, before I did my interviews, I watched uh, a handful of episodes that they had given me and I did not like it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, what is this? So I went back, started from the beginning, rewatched it, and was like, guys, I'm surprised that I like it. Like, what happened between these two watches that, you know, were this time? And I will say, I didn't see the entire whole season because I didn't have all those episodes at first. But watching the entire season, I was like, oh, and this time I laughed and it was funny and it was just, it's different, but in a refreshing way. And I will say the new characters... So some of these actors and actresses are like true little gems, comedic gems. And so obviously, you know, not every, in terms of comedic timing, like not every joke lands, you know, and obviously there are some wildly offensive things that are said on the show, but everyone learns a lesson. And I do kind of feel like that's very similar to um, how it was in the nineties with the original crew. Uh, and you're right. I mean, to Kristen's point, like anytime they had a storyline with the, the teachers or the old cast, I was like, that's cool, but can we like, you know, get back to, to the new class and to the students and the kids? So Elliot, how did yeah. you feel about watching it? So I was, so, so as far as my fandom goes with uh, Stay by the Bill, I liked the show growing up. I was more of a Fresh Prince, Martin, kind of watching those oh, shows yeah. and kind of okay. caught it on the back half of uh, Stay by the Bill, but appreciate it for what it was. Uh, the show is definitely, uh, you know, 
a product of the 90s in regards to that show. Uh, but they did have some nice things. You know, Jesse was very, you know, headstrong, a very powerful young uh, high school girl. And, you know, a lot of things that were said throughout the 90s show. But in regards to this rebirth, reboot, continuation, when I saw that trailer, I'm like, oh, this is this looks bad. This looks like a car crash <laughs> waiting to happen. The, the trailer was just really cut really weird because, again, it kind of tried to introduce the new characters, but then they really like put the old characters in your face and it just it didn't work it's hard to cut a trailer for a comedic show like this but to the surprise of myself after the first episode i wasn't really on board but as you get to know the characters you see you know daisy and them coming into the school Devante, and they kind of almost start to like the school their personality becomes a little bit more the base side and the mixture of where they come from, from douglas school so it was really as you all have just mentioned it was a new character that i fell in love with daisy uh alexi uh, mac you know all the characters to be honest with you i really enjoyed their stories and their character arcs by the end of the season and the comedy really kind of worked for me and i thought the writing was very clever too it was almost kind of a hybrid of like kind of new girl uh type of writing you know very in pop culture, very uh, funny, uh, relevant comments and, and jokes besides the Selena Gomez stuff that was taken out of uh, the episode. Uh, but I really was surprised by how much I ended up enjoying this show and uh, really excited to see what they do with a season two, if they get one. But I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I like, like the they're going to get a season two. <laughs> yeah, I think the first episode is the one that's kind of like, mm, not so sure, but then once they've like established how the humor is, you're like, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe I'm on board for this. <laughs> it's so different because, you know, I was seeing a lot of reviews come across my timeline before watching and it was getting brave reviews. And I was like, do we watch the same thing? Because even going into the interviews, like I love, love, love the actors, um, the play Devante and Aisha. Those were some of the best interviews I've done this year. They're just so thoughtful, so kind, and they're really excited about the project. So I was like, I have to watch it again because, mm. you know, like it, whatever happened in the first, you know, kind of three episodes that I was given, which actually weren't technically the first three episodes, like they were out of order. But those three episodes that I was given, I was like, gosh, I'm not really feeling this. And so watching it again, I don't know. It almost was like a completely different show. I mean, I still don't like the theme song. But other oh. than that, that theme song, my gosh, like, it please. is so bad. Please, it's so bad. I don't like the theme song, but yeah. the characters do. I mean, for me, I was like, oh, Aisha is the star. And so, like, you know, it's clear that, like, she's really the new star at Bayside. And so when they write that into the script, how, like, everyone adores it's Aisha, I was like, of course they do. Like, it makes sense because she is clearly the one. Um, so, you know, obviously with this one, there's a lot more diversity and inclusion. I mean, it's like wrapped into basically the quick cap and the, the fabric of this, this reboot or rebirth as, as Elliot might say. Um, but do you guys feel like the representation and the diversity that we see on this show is meaningful? Do you feel like it's done well? Do you feel like it's truly inclusive or do you feel like it's too in your face? Um, and I'll start with Elliot. To me, it had a good balance of not, like you just mentioned, being too forceful. It was kind of really kind of organic within the script. Like I think of Lexi very early on, they address, you know, they don't hide the fact that she is transgender and it shows that within the show, even the the meta nature of her being on an E show. So I like the way they kind of mix that into the storyline. Devante and, you know, the whole episode where the iPads go missing and they assume that it's the kid from Douglas, assume it's the kid from the inner city school and how they kind of tackle that. 
And even the episode where he pushes the kid and they kind of even go into, you know, I love the, the moment with him and Daisy, like, yo, <laughs> bet. I just love, nothing, like, like nothing is said. <laughs> they just understand. I love it. I love how the show, yeah, I, I feel like they, they, they didn't force the issue. It was more organic. Again, it kind of showed the differences of Bayside kids and Douglas kids, but coming together, getting to learn who these people are and appreciating the people. And even though they come from two different sides of the tracks, again, I, I really enjoyed how the show handled the diversity nature of the show, the subject matters of the show. And it just really kind of came all together. And I, I was really uh, surprised by the writing and the cleverness of uh, the, bringing those subject matters to the, to the forefront. Yeah, I will say one of my favorite things is, you know, when Daisy and Aisha speak Spanish and there are no subtitles. Like, I think that's really important that they just, you know, allow them to speak Spanish. And it's not. And then I also enjoy that, like, Mac and Lexi, that there's also this element of them, you know, like, uh, basically Lexi's like, oh, they're speaking Spanish. And Mac's like, that's racist to assume. Like, you don't know that they're speaking Spanish. And so I like that they also kind of are just even making fun of themselves in that way. Uh, because Mac is very much obviously little Zach Morris, but he has learned more than I feel like Zach learned in all of the seasons of Safe by the Bell. He's learned kind of in this first season when it comes to um, you know, just being more empathetic towards people, being more understanding of people with different um, cultural and class and socioeconomic backgrounds. Like he just learns a lot, but it, it feels kind of organic. Kristen, how did you feel about, you know, kind of them interweaving all of what the world looks like, essentially, <laughs> but into the show in kind of a, a seamless way? I agree with you guys. I thought it was really organic and authentic and it, it was like done in a way that like it felt like you were kind of in on the joke like like bet like yeah totally and um and I loved like you guys mentioned seeing Daisy and Aisha speaking Spanish I feel like you don't know I don't know if I've necessarily always seen like an Afro Latina speaking Spanish on screen before you know like I don't know if I've ever actually seen that and I I just like really love those two characters and their friendship together and going back to Lexi you know I think that they really handled her character so well there was a scene in particular where they where Lexi was kind of expressing how she felt about Jamie and he was kind of giving re like they were kind of going back and forth about their like friendship and he was kind of giving a, a reason why maybe they couldn't be together and I kind of think that they there there maybe are expectations that you would have of what he would say of why he wouldn't want to be yeah. with her and yeah. they didn't they didn't go the the stereotypical route of like oh well because you're a trans woman no they were like oh well you used to be mean <laughs> mm. that's why you know they they didn't like go for like a cheap shot of like making fun of her background or anything like that they were very respectful and I thought that was really awesome that they really kept her on this like level of like they respected Lexi the whole show you know she was the most popular girl in school she you know was someone that I, I just I really respected how they handled her character and the way that they portrayed her and and having everyone accept her because I think that's something that's really powerful to see especially in this in this day and age you know uh, a person who just is themselves and everyone accepts them. And that's how it is. And she could be mean, she could be nice. She can, it, whatever it is, they, they accept her for who she is. And I, I really, really loved how they handled those scenes with Lexi. Yeah. I will say, I think a lot of that has to do, you know, I think Josie, the actress that does play Lexi is also an executive producer on the show. And I'm really like, or excuse me, I think 
producer, not executive producer. So um, she's also a producer on the show. And I think that that's really helpful too, you know, kind of in terms of just allowing her the capacity to tell her own story in an authentic way. And for me, I will say, um, so I actually don't like Love Triangles, but we know this is Saved by the Bell and we know it's like a useful show. So we knew that one was coming. But what I do love about the love triangle between, you know, Jamie and, and it's, it's not like a catty love triangle, but it's still a love triangle. What I do love about the love triangle between Jamie and Aisha and um, Lexi is the fact that like, they haven't even discussed race. They haven't discussed Lexi being transgender. They have like, it doesn't matter. They're just dating and they like each other. Like, and I love that. I love it because it's just effortless. Like, there's never a conversation between um, Jamie and Aisha, you know, um, the, the only hardship really they come up against, and, and that kind of is mostly all of the hardships of the show, are about classism and like, you know, kind of what it looks like for them to be in this exceptionally wealthy school when they don't necessarily have that. Um, I mean, I do naturally like these relationships will deepen, I feel like if they get additional seasons. So of course I expect race to kind of come up in these particular dating relationships then. But what I did just kind of enjoy is that in this first season that that wasn't, um, you know, kind of thrown in our face a lot about that. I do really appreciate that. And I know obviously they're going to have conversations come up because that's natural and that makes sense. But I appreciate in this first season that they didn't do that. Um, I I also liked how there was kind of, um, I felt like there was these classic, pop culture moments that were coming up in relation to the show or not even necessarily classic. Some of them were, were new pop culture moments, but it made it feel more relevant. So like the whole um, Lexi, Aisha, Jamie, re- like love triangle reminded me of like uh, Betty, Archie and Veronica, because, you know, Betty and Veronica were still friends. There was no cattiness, they, but they, yeah. you know, but then they're this like classic love triangle. So it sort of reminded me of that. Or they did that whole euphoria episode where like the girls at the party and she's like having this whole euphoria TV show moment. And it was like, you know, that's stuff that, you know, people that are going to be watching Saved by the Bell, the revival might be watching, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like these fun, you know, references to shows outside of Saved by the Bell, but also to Saved by the Bell. But that I just felt like filled like the, the world and like made you feel like they're in on this pop culture stuff as well. Like we're all kind of in on these. Yeah, we're all watching the same thing. We're all kind of living in the same time frame. They made it. But also, I think that they still cater to um, I'm I'm not going to say us, but people like me, maybe, because I don't know how how old you guys are. But people like me, maybe, who like still enjoyed, you know, kind of things from the past. So that really brings me to kind of what you guys felt like were standout episodes or standout scenes or moments. Because for me, when Jamie does this proposal and they're singing Aisha, I love that song, but also it's like a huge throwback to the 90s. And I love that they have this full like dancing choreography to this song. And he's like in a tux and all of the football guys are in tuxes. And Aisha's like, what are you doing? Also, probably don't propose to me sophomore year of high school. Um, <laughs> Because what? <laughs> but like, yeah. okay. But I loved that. Like, that's probably one of the more standout moments for me. So I was like, this is such a fun scene. Like, who thought of this? So um, starting just with you, Elliot, kind of what were some standout moments from uh, the show for you? One thing that I always crack fun of of YA shows that involve high school students is the high school students look like they can be the teachers, like the age. And I love that there's an episode yes. where they yes. like show the old seniors or like literally seniors. And I like that's so funny to me because I always just be like, why do they cast 
35 year olds to play 15 year olds it blows my mind so like moments like that was just so clever to me one of my favorite episodes which happens to be the house party episode because i love euphoria and i love that reference to it and just that episode in general was really cool because you get to see speaking of the old class the old guard uh mario lopez character realizing that he has to get out of high school he finally you know tries to become a man so i like that episode but also the cell phone episode was so cleverly written to me in regards to i like your outfit like instagram like the kids not having their phones it's just again to me it seems like the show really kind of had a pulse on the zeitgeist of, uh, of uh, pop culture in regards to young kids mixing it in with older adults uh the principal was surprisingly very funny to me anytime he came into the mix Todman. I really thought he hit the uh, the beat and I love that they like inserted him into the old show. Like he was always there the whole time. It was little things like that, that I really appreciated. So to pick a, a favorite episode, I, I probably it's either between, it's actually between four, three episodes, the harvest episode, the cell phone episode and the party. Those three to me are like, at its prime, that's what the show is at its best. I really love those moments. You, mean, those, uh, yeah. you mean like when they're trying to do the harvest dance and they have the like harvest $10,000? Yes. <laughs> I was like, that's it, a ridiculous Hey, I need your service. And how uh, Daisy became like a rich person. That, that to yeah. me, when the show, episodes four, five, six, I think seven, was just like at its prime. It was like super funny to me throughout those three or four episodes. Yeah, I'd say the House Party one definitely is is hilarious. I mean, just for a lot of reasons, but also because Lexi and Mac devised that 100-step plan to break up Jamie and Aisha, and I was like, 100 steps is a lot, girl. Like, what what are we doing? I mean, like, and so, and then it happens in, like, five steps, and, you know, she's like, oh, that was a lot sooner than I anticipated. We're like, yes, maybe don't, you know, plot out 100 different ways to break them up. That's, like, a lot of work. Uh, what about you, Kristen? What were some standouts for you? Um, I really loved the episodes where we got to see them like working on the school musical and and we got to like learn a bit more about um, Devante and Lexi. And I loved how like Devante's friends were like, I get I think he was a little bit nervous that they think that he was like lame for being in the school musical. But they were like, dude, do you like and then they were so happy after he performed in the school play and and they were like, <sighs> killed it man you know and uh, I loved seeing them like breaking those stereotypes of like thinking that you shouldn't be doing certain things because maybe that's not like I don't know what I don't know what you fit into that box but like you know if you want to be in the musical be in the musical and I and I liked how we got to see him connect more to Lexi when he got to watch her um documentary and, and kind of understand where she's coming from I also really liked the episode when they <laughs> when they were finding out that they were going to go back to their old school and then the principal had to like figure out like is this really what we should be doing and and how he was kind of trying to like stand up for students <laughs> i don't know why but when he was yelling at the the mom and he was like you are a greasy witch i could not stop laughing and he just couldn't stop saying it because he couldn't think of anything else because that was like his one comeback. And I was like, that is so funny. I don't know why, you greasy witch. Um, but then also them realizing that like, I, I think it's a very realistic episode when it turns out that like, you know, many people have tried to come to this school and put money into it. And, and just because you're going to throw money at something and take a picture and be like, yeah, we fixed it, right? That doesn't mean you really fixed the school and and made it so that these students could actually get the education and, and the, you know, kind of, you know, life that they that they deserve to have so they can have a good future. So um, I thought that was like pretty impactful and to, you know, kind of realize that, you know, it's not as simple as just throwing money at something, you know. Yeah, I'm glad that they address that because, you know, I mean, it's 
it's something that needed to be said. You know, oftentimes yeah. it happens in the educational system that people think that it is a quick fix or it's an easy solution. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, these students are still being disserviced um, generation after generation after generation to come, even after that person steps in and quote unquote changes it all. And so I'm glad that we had like some realism there. I mean, obviously we all knew like they were not truly in, in danger of leaving Bayside, you know, because then we would be done with this this series very quickly. But it's nice that they still talked about kind of the, the realities of the educational system and how it works in that way, for sure. And I will say, I will say this. My favorite line is when Devante tells his friend that he looks like a ghetto of Carmen San Diego. And that, that was like, Travel the world. <laughs> yeah, she traveled Carmen's the world. Fun. <laughs> Adora. Like, what is happening in this show? It's just like, I don't know. It ended up surprising me in so many ways. And mm-hmm. I'm actually really glad that I gave it um, a second chance. So for you, and I'll start with you, Elliot, you know, is this TV show color grade approved? You know, do you really feel like it's a good story that centers uh, us as as people of color in a meaningful way? Or would you just say it's recommended? Like it might not be approved because you didn't like something, but you prefer something else. It's up to you. Compared to Selena, this is a color grade approved for me. Uh, again, the diverse cast really worked for me. Um, the the script, the witty nature of the script, uh, the being so tied into pop culture, uh, being able to tell a trans story, uh, what it's like for uh, Latinx or Black people coming into a white community, what that kind of conversation dynamic looks like, and not being afraid to address that. But then also, like I said, having a fun time, and and I guess mentioning the old guard. You know, I, I liked that the show how they handled Jesse and, you know, Mario Lopez. I think if they, you know, if they get a second season, we can see that relationship maybe rekindle. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of how Lisa Turtle was involved. I thought that was literally like such a waste of time. And and Zach and Kelly, I don't know how I feel about them in regards to getting the old guard was just a mixed bag besides like Mario Lopez and and, and, uh, Jesse. But Again, to me, the, the MVPs of the show were the new cast. Uh, in particular, it was very impressed by Daisy and Lexi. They were probably my favorite characters. So for me, it does get color approved. Yeah, I love that, honestly, that they addressed in the episode that the four of them would not be friends with the old crew. Like, I love that episode, you know, where it's um, they're coming back for homecoming and they realize, like, uh, we probably actually wouldn't be friends right now in real life. And I'm like, yeah, like, because Zach and Kelly are living a completely different life from the life that, you know, uh, Jesse and, and AC are living. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, they definitely wouldn't be in communication. And it's clear that they haven't been. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I definitely think, hands down, they always do Lisa Turtle a disservice. And this was no different. <laughs> like having her Skype in for 30 seconds to tell. And then what was that random line? My lovers are waking up like, what? Like, what? Ah. Kristen, was it color grade approved for you? <laughs> Um, It was color grade approved for me. I really think that they did a great job with Daisy and Aisha and Lexi in particular. Those were my three favorite characters to follow. I think that they tackled storylines that are realistic, that are that young people actually will relate to and not like, you know, quote unquote, will relate to where really it feels like old people wrote it. You know, it felt like we were in on the jokes. It felt like we were, you know, part of their experience coming into this, you know, new privileged school and trying to figure out, you know, as a Latina, like I, I love being able to see 
that like, you know, Daisy was our, was our Zach kind of, you know, she was the one breaking the fourth wall. And I was like, wow, like how cool that, you know, we get to see just like the, these, these new young people come in and really own it. Like we're, we're like, we said, we didn't even care necessarily about the older cast. I wanted to see these new people. That's who I cared about. And I think that that's really successful if, that's how we felt, especially since Ava the Bell, you know, had seasons upon seasons and spinoffs and whatnot that we're like, eh, whatever. Okay. I want to see these new kids. And I, so I think they did a great job with it. I, I loved um, just how they tackled all their storylines and, and really, I think did them justice. So I am excited for season two. I hope they get one. Cause I think all these, these new characters, these new actors really brought it. So yes. I'm excited for them. Yes, I agree. It's definitely color grade approved for me, which I never thought I would say, to be honest. I mean, after that that first sitting, it definitely would not have been. Uh, but watching it this time, for sure, you know, my favorite character, hands down, is Aisha. But I also really love Daisy. I also love Lexi. And I surprisingly also really like Jamie because I like that yeah, they yeah. have made him an emotionally intelligent high school male student. And yes. I also like that that's because of his relationship with his mother, Jesse. Like, I like that there's a certain level of him and I like that he likes to share feelings, even though, you know, he's a football player and stereotypically, maybe that's not what we see. He loves to share feelings. He was not at all shy about, you know, courting Aisha. Oh, you can use my cell phone. I don't believe in lies. Like, I think, you know, he had yeah, a bit of- really nice. Yeah, he has a bit of, um, you know, naivety about him. Um, and so he is like very naive in a lot of ways. And sometimes um, they call him dumb. But he is just very emotionally intelligent, very emotionally present. And I actually loved that. I was like, oh, this is a really great way to develop the jock character um, and to kind of stay away from those stereotypes. So I appreciate that. I do hope that we see kind of the uh, Jessica Spano, AC Slater relationship rekindled. And I also want to see what that looks like because, you know, Jamie and, and AC are close since, you know, that's a, a coach-student kind of relationship. So it will be very interesting if they get a season two to see what that dynamic will look like when he's dating his mom, um, because, you know, things are, are, are much different. Um, I'm still confused about who Mac lives with, because it seems like his parents live in Northern California. And does Mac live by himself? Because that oh, yeah. explains Also, too, Aisha. We never met Aisha's parents. Right, so right. So I, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to mm -hmm. see that in season two. And we got a glimpse of Devontae's life and meeting his grandmother yeah. and understanding the way he is and also getting to see you know, a young black man who loves singing and loves theater. And I'm like, yeah. yes, let's do this. And it does yes. not play sports. So I, it's color grade approved for me. You know, I liked a lot of ways how they flipped a lot of the stereotypes on their heads. Um, and they just made these characters very relatable. And the jokes were like, I mean, I did find myself like laughing uncontrollably at times, like, oh my gosh. And I was confused because I was like, I, this didn't happen the first time. Like, what is this <laughs> new experience? So sometimes you got to give things a second shot for sure. So uh, just thank you guys so much um, for coming to chat about Saved by the Bell. Um, I will start with you, Kristen. Please just plug your stuff. Tell everyone what you're up to next and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so, um, you know, you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash kmaldo, K-A-Y-M-A-L-D-O, and I do a lot of movie and TV reviews and celebrity interviews, and you can also find me at kmaldo on Twitter, Facebook, if you had a one at the end, I'm on Instagram, and I also host a podcast called Pop Culture Planet, it's all about representation and inclusion in Hollywood, so, yeah, hope you'll check it out. Awesome, and Elliot, go ahead and plug away. 
Yeah, again, thank you so much for having me on. And I will say another little, little fun Easter egg that I love about this show was the last moment of uh, oh, yes. uh, Matt getting the text of coronavirus. What is that? So it'll be really interesting if season two like plays into a pandemic. It'll be really kind of interesting to see that on TV. But no, again, I, I love talking with you all about shows and, and this was a fun one here. So yeah, you all can find me on YouTube at Movie Files talking about the latest movies, uh, TV shows, and doing live streams about those movies and shows. And also follow me on uh, Instagram at Movie Files and on Twitter at Movie files lives. Perfect. Well, also do not forget to subscribe to the Color Grade podcast on all platforms so you don't miss any new episodes and follow us on social media at Color Grade Pod. That's Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me, your host, KB, at the Lady KB. That's at the Lady K-A-Y-B on Instagram and Twitter. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Color Grade. And now for our next segment, let KB put you on. So this week I am recommending The Flight Attendant, which is currently streaming on HBO Max. When I tell y'all I love this show, I love it. After the first episode, I was completely hooked. Based on the novel of the same name by Chris Bahajalian, and I really hope I could pronounce that right. Apologies if I didn't. Um, it is a comedy. It's a drama. It is an intense murder mystery. So it is starring Kaylee Kuroko, who, you know, is most known for her role on the Big Bang Theory. But once you see her in this, you'll be like, Big Bang Theory, what Big Bang Theory who not to discredit her time on there because she definitely, um, you know, was really funny on that show. But here she is a lot of things. Kaylee Kuoko plays Cassie, who is a flight attendant, but also an alcoholic and really struggling with a lot of past trauma. You know, Cassie is messy, like very, very messy. Um, Cassie needs a lot of therapy, but um, she is not going, unfortunately. She is is wild. She's carefree. Um, she is funny in a lot of ways. She's endearing. She's also infuriating. And there are times on the show where I was 1000% upset with her character. Um, I'm going to say maybe most episodes. So it's very interesting because Cassie encounters something on a trip to Bangkok that really changes the trajectory and course of her life. So this show is stacked with an amazing cast. I will start with Rosie Perez, who plays Megan, another flight attendant. She's often Cassie's boss. And, you know, she is trying to be a great friend to Cassie while holding on to a bunch of secrets of her own. We have Griffin Matthews, who claims Shane Evans, another flight attendant and friend of Cassie's who quite honestly is just amazing. His comedic timing is amazing. And he also holds some secrets because what is this show without everyone holding secrets, to be quite honest? Merle Dandridge, fresh off of Greenleaf, is also in this playing a badass detective. So shout out to her. And, you know, we also have Michelle Gomez from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina bringing um, a unique play on a, on, a, on a henchwoman situation. And T.R. Knight, one of my old faves from Grey's Anatomy, is playing Cassie's brother, Davey. So, you know, there are a lot of layers to this show. I will say uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, because um, there are a lot of murder elements. So, you know, uh, it is a little bit gory, but also it is funny and it is intriguing and it reels you in. But I, I mean, the drama, it's no short of drama. So when I say check out the flight attendant, I truly mean it. Uh, you know, they recently just got renewed for a second season. So shout out to them. I cannot wait to see how the story continues to unfold 
next season. There's so many ways and so many directions that it can go in. So check out The Flight Attendant streaming now on HBO Max. And for this week's film, I am recommending David Byrne's American Utopia. This is a concert film directed and produced by Spike Lee based on a screenplay by famed musician and and the lead in all of this, David So I had the pleasure of screening this at the 2020 Toronto International Film Festival, and it is phenomenal. I mean, when I tell you that I actually had no context of David Byrne prior to this, I was just curious to see, you know, what Spike would do directing a a concert film. When I tell you Spike and David did not disappoint, I mean it wholeheartedly. You know, not only is David's music so refreshing and unique in a lot of ways, but David Byrne's American Utopia also weaves in a heavy political message. It really starts with Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Um, You know, it asks, a lot of questions like, how am I not your brother? How are you not like me? You know, this body of art is so freeing and it was beautiful and really refreshing. And seeing it, you know, last September, uh, you know, the world was just so heavy. Everything was still so heavy. And in a lot of ways, it still is. And this was just so nice and light to be able to watch. The performers are astounding. They're so focused and skilled, you know, the lyrics are incredible. It really made me miss live performances and, and concerts and just the way that they use every part of their bodies and their voices and their instruments. I mean, there are the black women who just had these insane vocals. You know, they had some wonderful guitar solos and sets. And in the midst of it, they were reminding people to register to vote, to make pledges. You know, they were really making sure that humanity was at the forefront of the message of this particular film. And it was just beautiful and wonderful. So, you know, um, there's also some James Baldwin quotes woven in. I mean, so I have to recommend without question that you watch David Byrne's American Utopia. Um, you know, there's a lot that we could learn from it. And I also recommend downloading the music because I did almost immediately after watching. So stream David Byrne's American Utopia on HBO Max and um, I mean, obviously simultaneously HBO as well, but check it out um, as fast as you can and really just shout out to David Byrne. Spike Lee and the 11 musicians and and everyone involved in this collaboration because it was just so beautiful and nothing short of a, of a true concert master, concert film masterpiece, um, you know, and just really made me want to be like, man, I need to, to see a couple Broadway performances soon. I need to see a couple live concerts soon. So yes, I 100% recommend David Byrne's American Utopia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and you can find me on social media at the Lady KB, at the Lady K-A-Y-B on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please follow the Color Grade Podcast on all social media platforms at Color Grade Pod. The Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound with lead producer and editing by Randy Chapman. <laughs>